This, this seems to me, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I mean, this seems to me, you know, less of a break with the PRI than you're institutionalizing the neoliberaliz- neoliberalization of the PRI in this, you know, kind of party where it, it it's maybe more at home ideologically. You're, you're just taking this trend that's been going on anyway and kind of, you know, bringing it to full flower in the in the form of the the PAN. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think, you know, thinking back to that election, the the economy wasn't on the ballot box, right? I mean, it was all about let's get the PRI out of office, support, uh, support who has the best shot of beating the PRI. Um, It wasn't Cuauhtémoc Cárdenas, the center-left candidate, who at that point was seen as like a spent candidate, right? Like he had come close to winning 88, but by 2000, he was kind of done. So there was a lot of popular across political line across the political spectrum i think there was a lot of effort to get folks elected just to say just to get the pri out of power and to start and to initiate like a true democrat democrat democratization of the country um but you're right that like there you're right in the sense that like economically there wasn't much of a difference if any if anything like folks's message was like we know how to do neoliberalism better than the pri so elect us i'm a coca-cola right. executive. <laughs> wow what a, what yeah, a right and it's kind of crazy now if you've if you've seen Vicente Fox in the last couple of years, like on Twitter or on media appearances, like it's kind of amazing that that guy had been president. Like I that guy is just like uh, his his sunsetting has been quite amazing. Now he's out there just promoting and selling legal marijuana. But so he wins, right? And it's seen as this moment of okay, Mexico can finally democratize. Um, but at the same time, there's just massive poverty, high levels of inequality. There's a severe gap, a historical one that only gets widened between the urban centers and the countryside, a countryside that's been depop in certain areas has been depopulated due to migration because people can't make ends meet. So they go to, they migrate to Mexican cities or they go to the U.S. Um, but it, it is, it's a symbolic year, right? That it's remembered as like, that's the moment that PRI lost. And, and, and again, the, for me, the, the absurdity of it is that a right-wing executive, Coca-Cola executive can say, I'm the one that brought democracy to Mexico. And all these other folks and organizations that have been fighting since the 50s and 60s are kind of disregarded or pushed to the side. Uh, well, you know, taste the feeling, right? Coca-Cola. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, uh, you put it in interesting terms, actually, a, a bit ago. You, t- you talked about the PRI allowing itself to lose local elections, allowing itself to uh, kind of start to, to function in a multi-party system, and then allowing itself to lose a presidential election. Um, what what do you what did what was the impetus behind that? Why did the why did the PRI decide to let this happen instead of just kind of maintaining their hold on power? What was the sort of yeah. historical underlying thing going on there? That's a really good question, and I don't have like a clear answer to it. I think you know, I think someone Ernesto Cedillo, who was the president, the last PRI president before folks from ninety four to two thousand, like he's. He gets a lot of credit now for for helping spur some of this democratization before the 2000 elections. I mean, I think some of it is probably fair, but you know, in, in that moment, in that global moment, it looked bad <laughs> that Mexico had a single party ruling it since like the late 20s, right? In a moment, uh, in a particular global moment where that wasn't supposed to happen, it, or at least it's not supposed to exist anymore. So I think so that is, has is that to it's do like a a post Cold War thing, like it's time for everybody to you know. Uh, liberalize and have good multi-party democracies because that's 
that's the world we're in now end of history think, type stuff i think that's i think that's part of it right because if you if you think back to what what u.s social scientists and polit- politicians are saying about mexico in the 60s they were saying um yeah mexico is a single part it's ruled by a single political party but they're also doing development and they're doing modernization in a non-commie way so we support them like this they, they found a way to do a third way to do modernization in the in the, in the global south I, that message is completely spent, right, by the 90s, particularly after the fall of the Soviet Union. And I think the message there is uh, the world is flat and this uh, is there's no longer a need for it. In, uh, that's the slogan of, of this podcast, by the way, the world is flat. <laughs> yes, that's on your next merch, on your shirt, next shirt that comes out. Uh, yeah, so I think some, something, a lot of it just has to do with the, that the PRI was so delegitimized also by, by this point. So they, they had lost.